Well, when Oregon goes to play Stanford this year for their second Pac-12 game, they'll be a heavy favorite, but the game needs to play out in the right way if Oregon's going to be a Pac-12 contender this year. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day, and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you have not already, please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review the show wherever you listen to or watch it. Appreciate all of you out there. Appreciate my man, Ryan Winter. Look at the setup that he's got at the Oregon Coast. At Sports Chat 503 on YouTube and on Twitter. My man is all over the place a recurring guest on the show, and probably the fan favorite if I had to poll all of my everydayers out there. You have got that sort of adoration and respect from from the Duck fans, Ryan. So let's talk about Stanford here, and this is the way that I see it. Oregon starts with Portland State. That's a win. Texas Tech, tough game. Going to be a tough, tough game down, down in Lubbock. Talked about that with Chris Lovell of the Red Raiders Radio Network earlier this week. Go check it out if you missed it. Then we play Hawaii. Shouldn't be a problem. Colorado. Shouldn't be a problem. Stanford. Again, shouldn't be a problem. But here's how I think this game ties into Oregon's Pac-12 title hopes, Ryan. If they are not able to dominate the Cardinal in this game, who I think are going to be the worst team in the Pac-12, I think that's a problem. And I also think you have to avoid injuries in that game because that's one where if you were to have a silly injury, you look back and say, wow, really? It was in, it was in that game? Like, the game shouldn't have been as you know hard fought as as it perhaps was that led to a moment like that or or however it plays out. But that's how I am looking at this sort of game is if Oregon's going to win the Pac-12 this year or at the very least get back to the Pac-12 championship game, which I think they're capable of doing, they will go on the road and they will beat this Stanford team handily because their win total is two and a half, lowest in the Pac-12. I think they will finish last place in the Pac-12 this year. And if you're going to be a Pac-12 championship caliber team, you have to be able to go in and dominate this sort of game. Your thoughts? Right. I mean, it's the classic lose-lose situation, right? You can't beat a team like this bad enough. You know, so even if you even if you just house the team, well, you know, they'll nitpick on it. And, and then, and then of course, you know, if you're anywhere near the team, it's like, what's wrong with Oregon? Oh, this should have been a blowout. So it, it is a tough situation. Stanford always provides an interesting situation. They always have NFL talent. That's one thing. They always do. They always have elite guys, elite people. They have some of the best and brightest in the whole country. They can recruit anywhere in the whole country. So even though they're down right now, they've got a new coach, they've got a new identity, uh, you would assume the offense is going to be better, but we also assume the defense was going to be better last year with Dan Lanning coming in, and that didn't necessarily pan out. So that doesn't mean that the offense is going to be that much better. You don't really know who your quarterback is. They say they're going to have three guys compete for it. Well, I mean, it was really interesting, like I was saying right before we jumped on here, it was really interesting to see them in the media day, on the Pac-12 media day, because it was all about how it was all about love and unity and how much everybody loved each other and i didn't hear a lot of wins when 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 they were talking about this it, this season they were talking it about sound, how- it sounded ryan like they kind of had an understanding when you frame it that way 
Like, they are aware of the season they're going sure. to be in for. And look, Stanford sure. can rebuild into being a conference contender. It's it's just going to take a minute. Sure. And they're, and they're going to have some players. Uh, they've got a really good a, a corner and an edge guy. They're, they're going to have players that are some of the best players in their conference. It's just not going to be a lot of them. There's just going to be maybe one or two guys on either side of the ball. You're right. They should The Ducks should hammer them. It's a good road game. A lot of Ducks show up for it. It's a great Bay Area uh, experience. Not many Stanford fans show up. It's interesting talking about Stanford, even on the idea of the streaming. What would their number be? You know, it's like, it's like you think about the excitement for these Stanford fans. You go down to Stanford, there's not that many people there at these games. Duck fans will flood that stadium. There'll be more Duck fans than Stanford fans unless something miraculous happens. Unless Stanford is good. People show, well, you know, if you go back and watch. When Stanford is good, you're yeah. right. But if you go back and watch old highlights of, you know, the Chip Kelly, Jim Harbaugh days, sure. they they showed up, but sure. it was, but, 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 but it's the, not like a Colorado or an Oregon where no. even when times are down, people are still going to show. Exactly. And so, you know, it's going to be an interesting one this year. I just, I think the Ducks need to take care of business on the road <clears throat> and, if they do that this year, you know, they're going to have some tough road games and you can't make Stanford one of them. <laughs> That's yeah. the main thing. So, yeah, you're right about the injuries, though, especially early in the year. You hate to see a guy go down in a game that ends up being somewhat meaningless. You know, let's say you beat Stanford 34 to 12 or 34, 14 or, or, or 49 to 14 or some sort of thing. And you lose a guy uh, for the year. You know, in a game where you're like, why, why, why was he even playing? That well, it doesn't matter. Injuries are going to happen, so it's just like again, it's a lose lose type of game. You, there's nothing really that redeeming about these games, and that's why uh, conference realignment looks better and better when you're starting to think about these possible opponents in other conferences and getting rid of some of these games that are quote unquote meaningless games, even in conference. Yeah, I think with with Stanford, it's it's just going to be. A tough year for them. That's the expectation. That's what the betting market indicates. Their win total actually was three and a half. It got bumped down on FanDuel to two and a half because they can't reshape their roster dramatically in one year. Now, Troy Taylor is recruiting very well. They have, last time I checked, uh, I believe a top 20 recruiting class uh, in the 2024 cycle, according to 24-7. It's sitting at number 19 right now, headline by the next modern-day high school quarterback, a name that Oregon fans know very well, that guy, Elijah Brown, he chose Stanford. I think that's telling. He can be the, the foundation piece for them going forward, but he doesn't arrive till next year. They have a quarterback question. You know, Ari Patu, Ashton Daniels, and then the transfer from, uh, from Syracuse, Justin Lampson, who I don't think has a, a ton of experience or hype around him. Like, it's just it's just a tough place to to win a lot of football games quickly, but it doesn't mean that it can't ever be done. Because I, I think going out and getting a kid like Brown, who had offers from all over the country, is telling of the fact that that Stanford brand, and we'll see you know, with conference realignment and, and whatnot, and we're, we're recording this show uh, a ways before, you know, about a week before it's, uh, it's going out, so we don't know what's about to happen or what will have happened and such, but the Stanford brand is still... It, like it still has some value if they're able to stay in a power conference, which you know time time will tell. I think Stanford's still elite. I, I look at them as an absolute elite brand, and I think that anybody, if you're recruiting 
uh, any any kid in the country, you know, you, Stanford's going to have their ear, even on a down year because of what Stanford can do for you. You know, uh, Coach Taylor talked about, uh, he said that the equivalent of going to Stanford might set up your family for multiple three, four generations forward. It can, because because legacy admissions to the school. You know, le- legacy legacy admissions to the school are, are a big thing. Looks like we might have lost Ryan's Ryan's mic there. Now I think he's back. Yeah, I, I, I lost there your audio there for a second there. But yeah, yeah, that's I, it now. I, 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 I think that, uh, yeah, your, 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 your situation with Stanford is they're very unique. They're a lot like Notre Dame. They're a lot like, uh, you know, a, a Harvard. Northwestern. And, you know, and Northwestern is a good the, comp. Uh, the, the top elite athlete, but they're going to get the top elite student. And Stanford can get both. It's just whether or not the actual Stanford uh, can get enough guys. That's what is hard about Stanford football in comparison to Stanford basketball, for example, that's had a lot of success in the past, is you only need 12 guys on basketball team. You're going to need uh, you know 70 guys to really do something in college football. Yeah, and I think they can be on their way to rebuilding, but right now they're just not there. And you know, I think from a confidence standpoint, Oregon needs to win that game handily because it's that game and then it's the bye and then it is uh, the, the the Washington game, as Ryan's screen has uh, gone blank here just for a moment. But we'll get Ryan back, and we'll get all of you over to LinkedIn Jobs as well. See, we got Ryan back just in time for him to hear that these days every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free, which is a pretty good price. Go in there, create a free job post in minutes, add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. So, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster, which means you should go over there and post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, I felt like you needed that uh, break for a second there. and I, I, lo- <laughs> I lost the audio. It went on to my Bluetooth. Somehow my Bluetooth. It's flying around. It was, the perfect, it was the perfect segue, though. In yeah, the I could ad hear read. you from my living room, but I couldn't hear you on my phone. So I'm like, what is going on here? <laughs> you know, this isn't, difficulties. this Come show on. is not happening live, but we're acting as if it is. We have flawlessly and seamlessly gone from losing Ryan to the ad read, to the second segment sip, to now here we go, talking about something that isn't a friendly memory, but one that I think Oregon's going to be able to put to bed this year. So last season, Oregon trounced Stanford actually got off to a slow start but then we kind of did what I ended up dubbing as the year went on we middle aided them as in middle e-i-g-h-t-e-t because Oregon last year was during that eight game win streak especially the best team in the country in the middle eight last four minutes of the second quarter first four minutes of the third quarter and teams would kind of hang around Stanford did this Cal did this Arizona did this And then all of a sudden you looked up and we'd score, get a stop or force a turnover, score again, get the ball coming out of the half, go down, score again. And all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh, they're up by three or four possessions. The game is over. And that's something that Oregon did very well last year. They did it to Stanford. Cardinal were hanging around after one quarter. And by halftime, it was 31 to three. It was like the game was boom, is done, over, right there. So 
when I look at this game, Ryan, and what I expect Oregon to do and what they should do, what they need to do, which is carry confidence and health into the bye before they play Washington two weeks after they play this game against the Cardinal, I think back to 2021. We were all riding high as can be after the win at Ohio State, and then we went and lost to a Stanford team that ended up being 3-9. and nine. Why? I don't know, but we did. We didn't have our offensive coordinator. That didn't help, but that game still never should have been close. I don't sense that this team, that this coaching staff led by Dan Lanning is going to allow that to happen because of what we saw last year. The games that they should have won by a lot, they did. And I think this Stanford team is in a full rebuild right now. I think Oregon's going to be hungry. I think they're going to be determined after how the season ended a year ago. And you can't ever remove the possibility because I didn't expect to lose in 2021 either. But you can't remove the possibility of having those sorts of upsets. I just feel confident in this team, the roster, what they've done this offseason, what they have coming back. I, I think Oregon's going to be able to get this one done in the fashion that we would like to see them do it. Yeah, I agree. I, I You know, last year, the, the issue was, like you said, uh, slow starts, and then uh, they kind of gapped them halfway through it. And then and then all of a sudden, by the end, you know, can you hang on? And, 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 and the defense kind of let go of some of those games, and it got a little tight late. And uh, this is a year, obviously, you're hoping the defense is going to really come through on you. This is a game where the defense should really stomp. I mean, you're expecting Stanford to be better offensively. They're going to open it up a little bit. It got a little tight at the end there. But I don't know what their quarterback – but here's the thing. Philosophically, I think they'll have a more clear identity. But they lost some playmakers from a year ago. But their quarterback situation – Super dicey. It's probably the worst in the Pac-12. You never know what you're going to get out of that, right? I mean, you could get a thing where they they did – he played two quarterbacks last year, Sac State, right? So, I mean, there, there's a situation. He he talked about at the media day. Troy Taylor, have, Stanford head coach, yeah. He wanted to have, yeah, he wanted to have one guy. He said that over and over. He wanted to have one guy going into the first game. He didn't want to do a dual system. But he'd done that in the past, and there's not maybe a clear number one now. Maybe it'll define itself then. But you would assume it's a fun offense to play in. That's the one thing he kept talking about was how, you know, this, this should be an offense that they're going to put up some points. It's just whether or not they can sustain any sort of, you know, uh, four quarters. I just don't see it happening this year for Stanford. And, and that's fine. Like you're saying it's a rebuild. They're going to be fine. You made a great point. They do not do it through the transfer portal. They really can't. They can't. So they have to do it through recruiting and through the development of players. Having a coach change, that's a major deal for a program like that. They're not built – to be able to just rebuild on the fly, bring new guys in and keep the thing moving or maybe even jump ahead and get better year one. It's probably not going to happen. I mean, think about how many guys Lanning brought in last year. Brand new quarterback, brand new running back, brand new wide receiver who, you know, brand new this, brand new, all these, this year, same thing. I mean, there's a, the team compared to this year compared to two years ago, drastically different. Okay. In just two years, major, major uh, roster upheaval. I would assume that's not going to be the case at Stanford. They're going to just keep clicking along. They'll bring in a new class next year. They'll have some guys maybe leave here or there, but that's not the kind of building they have. You go to Stanford, you graduate from Stanford. You don't leave. You might be a graduate transfer. That's fine. But but but, but my biggest thing is Stanford, you can still go to the NFL, so why leave? And they don't really even care about the dubs. They care about bigger picture. They're on the they're on the whole another level. They're going to be CEOs in the future. They're not even that concerned about winning or losing. 
if you look at the Stanford locker room after a loss compared to the Oregon State locker room after a loss or the Washington State locker room after a loss, very different story. And not to say that there's an intellect gap there because those are smart kids at other schools too. But Stanford is elite. They're at a different level. They don't really play the same reindeer games as the rest of us, which is kind of why I'm scared right now talking about conference realignment. If yeah. you compare if you compare Oregon and Stanford, I've already said if you compare Oregon and Washington, we're in trouble. Now you compare us to Stanford, we're like, oh, no. If there's one seat left on the freaking lifeboat and we're on the Titanic and it's well, – but whether or not, you know, we, we don't know how many seats are available or which conferences yeah. are going shit, you know, as, as yeah. we are. And if are, it's Mr. J.P. Morgan in front of me, I don't <laughs> think I'm getting on the lifeboat. As we, as we record, just so everybody's aware, as we are recording this show, it is Wednesday, August 2nd. So the news about the Big Ten looking more closely at Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal has, you know, just surfaced earlier today. But we don't yet know how that's going to play out. I will say right now, we'll see if it looks good later, but I have been told by someone with knowledge of this sort of stuff and how the dynamics go down that it has to be resolved basically by August 15th. So we may or may not have resolution by the time you're listening to or watching this, and we'll just kind of have to wait and see how all that all that sort of stuff goes. But you brought up the defense, Ryan, in, in this game, and I have high hopes for Oregon's defense I have hopes, I should say. I have hopes for Oregon's defense (laughs) to improve and be a much better unit than they were last year. I don't expect them to be a dominant unit all season long, but I do expect them in this game, given that Stanford's quarterback is going to be Ari Patu, who was a Wildcat quarterback last year, Justin Lampson, who is not turning a whole heck of a lot of heads, or Ashton Daniels, who is an unproven player, I just look at this defense and say, you should be able... I mean, they frankly dominated them a year ago. The final score is what, like 45 to... Or something to 17 or 20. I I don't even remember. But Stanford had three points in the first half. I would love for the defense, also from a confidence standpoint, bringing it back to that angle is, you know, we go into the bye and then the Washington game. I would love for them to put up just a 10-point performance defensively on the road and have this game be like 38 to 10. I think that would be really, really good. And the locker room would be feeling great. And the fan base would be feeling great going into the bye and the Husky game. Yeah. And I, I, I love that you brought up the, the schedule and the bye and the Husky game. Because I, I love looking at the schedule and kind of where that fits psychologically. How a team works. There's the ebb and flow of the season. All those kind of things you can put into play. You know, I, I think it's a huge deal the way that you play before a bye week. You can lay it all on the line. You can absolutely just go to the freaking nines on this one because you know you got a week off. You don't have to worry about anybody next week. You've got some time off. you got to chill to let the body reheal or whatever else. It doesn't matter who that team is. It just happens to be Stanford this year, which is not good for them, but really good for Oregon in the sense that the Washington game is going to be massive. It is going to be a psychological huge one that you know that they've got your number they beat you last year it's on the road you're gonna have it circled of course they're gonna say day by day week by week play by play you know all that but you know that that washington game is gonna mean something having it after the bye psychologically does something humongous and it does it's also the same thing for washington because they have the bye as well and so it does something that they can really sell out and the chances are oregon could be undefeated at this point 
There could be a re- you if you beat that Texas Tech team, you get past that first hurdle. You 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 could be rolling. You could be undefeated going into the bye, going to Washington. Washington could be undefeated as well. Now that's now now you're talking about hype. Game now day. That, I mean, that could be game stuff. day. Could be a bye. exactly. Now you're talking about all those different things that start to enter into making the game more than it actually is. It's just actually a game. But that Stanford game could be the last game of well. This is the part we just kind of tune up for. That second part of the season is going to be something else next year. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. Second half is where all the tough games, except Texas Tech, that's where they all are. You know, you've got your Washingtons, your Utahs, your USC's, and your Oregon State's. And those are going to be the five games that define Oregon's regular season, both their college football playoff hopes and their Pac 12 title hopes. Is how do you perform in those games? Can you go at least two and two, if not three and one, against that combo of Oregon State, Washington, USC, and Utah is going to be tough. You got two at home. You got two on the road. So can you win one on the road and hold serve at at Austin Stadium? I think that'd be the best possible outcome. Probably is going three and one there. But that Texas Tech game, we, we, we just cannot stress enough that that is not going to be easy. Oregon's going to be a small favorite going into Lubbock down there. They've got a rabid fan base. They've got a year two head coach. They've got a hungry team. They've got a bunch of capable players. So they're trying to build themselves up. And I think Oregon is further along in their development as a program compared to Texas Tech. But that doesn't mean the Red Raiders aren't poised. Like when a, when a coach takes over a program and wins eight games in his first year for a program that doesn't typically win too many football games, and I don't think they've ever played in the Big 12 championship game since it's you know reshuffled and everything, when, since they started having a Big 12 championship game, That's the sort of school where you look at and say, are they poised for a year two leap? Are they going to make a big jump? So you can't overlook that one. But the other four games, Oregon's going to be a big favorite. Portland State, Hawaii, Colorado, and then Stanford. They're going to be a big, big favorite. And you have to you have to win the big games, but you have to avoid the letdowns as well. And we saw a letdown against Stanford in 2021, but... I just look at both sides of the ball. The way Oregon ran the ball last year against Stanford, they were running it on third and nine and picking yeah. up first downs. Like they, yeah. they just don't seem to have the bodies or the schemes. And look, it's a different coaching staff, so the scheme will be different. But I don't think they have the bodies to match up with Oregon on either side of the ball, particularly in the trenches. So I look at Oregon and say they should be able to enforce their will on both sides and they should be able to have a similar lead to what they had a year ago. I know you're down in the road, on the road in the farm, but that's not going to be some ruckus, rowdy environment. No, yeah, it's a, it's a duck, it's a duck crowd by the second quarter. You yeah. know, you, it's a good point what you said about you know Texas Tech. You know that game it, it, for me mentally, it gets harder as the closer you get to the game, right? The, as you closer you get to it, the more intense that looks, the more intense that feels, and the harder that becomes to get that win. Uh, but I do think that's going to tell you a lot about what team you have. You go on the road, you have a good, true test. You know, the Big 12 is pretty wide open as well. I mean, Kansas had a good year last year. So, I mean, like, yeah, they're, they're, there's some there's a quality teams over there, and, they, and that's a gauntlet. But I think it's kind of wide open for them. So there's a lot of teams that are excited to play at the beginning of the year. Everybody thinks they can win the championship, no matter what team you are. It's like the Little League. Well, I don't know if Stanford first. thinks they can win a championship. I, I know. It's all about unity down there. <laughs> but the, uh, the idea is, is that when everybody puts their hands in the Little League, everybody's like, we're going to Williamsburg or wherever. The, Williamsport. You 
Williamsport, right? We always said that same thing. Of course, we lost the first round of the freaking Little League playoffs. But my point being is, is that at the beginning of the year, everybody thinks they have a chance to win it. And so you're going to get some really raucous crowds. You're going to get some play that you might not see at the end of the year. If you look back at that and be like, damn, that Texas Tech game was really close. Maybe at the end of the year, it doesn't look like that Texas Tech game should have been that close. But it was at that point. Kind of like that Auburn game, Herbert, you know, year with Bo next freshman year. You know, the idea is like you, you see that Auburn team at the end of the year. The Ducks probably beat them handily, but beginning of the year, different story, the way it sets up. So I, I think you're right. The Texas Tech game is going to tell you a lot about this team. If the Ducks beat Texas Tech by two touchdowns or more, they should beat the hell out of Stanford. Yeah, I I, I think whether or not they beat Texas, I, they could lose to Texas Tech. I would still think they should be able to beat beat Stanford pretty pretty handily. I think the Cardinal are just in for in for a rough year. But I agree. By the way, since since you brought it up, did I ever tell you that? Uh, my brother's team, when he was a 12-year-old all-star, went to the Little League World Series. Williamsport. Yeah. Freaking amazing. I See, went when, they, when, when I they was... put their hands in, they actually believed. We were just <laughs> representing, Mount, we were representing Mount Hood Little League from Southeast Portland. We weren't getting it done. Yeah, Lake Oswego Little League 2007. I believe the first team from that Little League to, to make it to Williamsport. One actually made it from Lake Oswego all the way to Williamsport a couple years ago. But, yeah, I remember being nine years old and watching that all play out it's one of one of the most incredible things i've ever seen and by uh, the way the little league world series is right around the corner i watch it every year the series is great it's great it's it's it's, it's, it's a fantastic event awesome. the energy is palpable the yeah. kids care the sportsmanship is awesome the camaraderie the the, the <laughs> yeah. fanfare the families the different cultures the kids it's it's awesome. it is an outstanding event through and through the broadcasts are great the broadcasters are great. All the volunteers, everything is just so so good year in and year out. I was like out. the big. I was like the big kids. That was me. You know, the guy was like, "Hey, let me check his ID." <laughs> um, you, you you mentioned about the little league. The, the the little league team that I was on. Of course, we I just said we lost the first round. The next year, though, they went to the thirteen year old World Series. Only te- only person was not on the team was me and my buddy. <laughs> oh no! We're like, hey, what about us? Don't you need a first baseman? Oh I no! I thought the first baseman was like the glue to the whole thing. Oh, yeah. dude, that's but, a bummer. Uh, yeah, dude, I love love uh, baseball in the summertime, man. Yeah, dude, me sunflower too. Seeds. Now you can't eat sunflower seeds half these things because they're turf fields. They they allowed disallowed sunflower seeds, which is mind blowing. Yeah, you, but you, the you, Little League World Series isn't going to turf anytime soon. That's gonna yeah. that's gonna stay natural natural grass and and the real field. I you love baseball. Knees with ACLs. <laughs> I love baseball in the summer. I love football in the fall, which is right around the corner. And I love having Ryan Winter on at Sports Chat 503, YouTube, and on Twitter. Ryan, it is always, always a fun time, my friend. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Always a pleasure. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. No show tomorrow, but I'll be back in your feeds on Monday. Until then, have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.